Today we're going to talk about being fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that exciting? We're going to talk about being fully immersed into the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about being fully immersed into the Holy Spirit. You see what the problem is with the Greek, with, with, with what we did when we translated the Bible is, is what's called transliteration. And a transliteration is where you take a word from the Greek language and you anglicize it. You know what I'm talking about, right? So the word baptize, it's a transliteration from the Greek word baptizo. And baptizo is to immerse. That's what it means. Now, we would have saved ourselves so many problems if we didn't transliterate it, if we just translated it. Amen. Because then whenever we're talking about baptism, we'll be talking about being immersed. So the Bible speaks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What it's basically talking about is the immersion into the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen. And what I want to say to you is that this morning you've got a choice. You can be a believer who's only been born in the Spirit. Right? What are we talking about? That's being born again. Where the Spirit of God comes and regenerates your spirit. The Spirit of God comes and regenerates your human spirit and you are born off the Spirit. Amen? You are born off the Spirit. You can leave it there. Or you can say, you know what? I also want to be fully immersed into the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. It's all in the Word of God. And the choice is yours. And so I want to encourage you as you listen to this message, yes, we are doing foundations right now, but the reason we're preaching this message in a church setting, not in some corner where we're just saying, let's talk about baptism in the Spirit to a few people. No, the reason we're doing it in a church service is because being immersed fully into the Holy Spirit is part of Christian discipleship. Can I hear an amen? Now, there are three types of Christians. There's the type of Christian that says, you know what? I want to do great works for God, but I don't believe I need the Holy Spirit. I can do great works for God just with my human talent. And you know that it's, it's possible? You know, in a church setting, it is possible to do a whole lot of things in a church setting without the Holy Spirit. And it can look good. There are many places like that. You can hire a worship leader with a wonderful voice. And then we become soulish in our relationship with that worship leader. They've got a wonderful voice, and you kind of feel these tingles when they sing. Their intonations are wonderful, but it's just natural talent. Are you hearing me this morning? And you know this because you can go to your favorite artist, and you can go to a concert that they do, and you feel the same thing, don't you? It's like, oh, when Lionel Richie just sings that song, oh, Endless Love, oh, with Diana Ross, it just, ooh, does something to me. Okay? Or if you like older Sipo and you like Freddie Jackson and some of the guys, the old school people and so on, you know, you'll feel that, you know, when he's driving long distances and so on. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's anointed. Amen? There are many things we can do in church services that are wonderful and that bless people, but it doesn't mean the anointing of the Holy Spirit is there. So there are some Christians who say, I don't need the Holy Spirit. Then there are other Christians who have a mindset that says, I just want to be born of the Spirit and go to heaven. That's my fire insurance, okay? I'm not going to hell, I'm saved. But all this disciple-making stuff, I don't need to do it. How many of you know that many Christians on the African continent are like that? 
Because on our African continent, unfortunately, we have a gospel of consumerism. We've become consumerist in terms of how we relate to the gospel. We're consumers, not producers. You know what I'm talking about. That's why you see so many adverts where they say, just come and you can get one touch from the prophet of God. And you see these adverts, you see them on taxis, don't you? On buses. All you need is just one touch from the prophet of God. And then you trace some of those people and you say, when are we ever going to learn about making disciples that make disciples? When are we ever going to learn how to be producers and not consumers? And that's why when I say, okay, let's announce, there's going to be Ignite. We're going to be praying for personal breakthrough, finances, and business. Look what the turnout was like on Friday. That's why some of the people aren't here. Are you hearing me? So let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with ourselves. Are we the kind of Christians who are saying, I want to make disciples, so therefore I need to be anointed in order to do so? Or are we the kind of Christians who are like, you know what? As long as that wonderful prophet, wonderful apostle blesses me, then I'm fine. I don't need the anointing. He does all the healing. He does all the evangelism. I don't need this stuff. I'm trying to show you why certain believers are resistant when it comes to being fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Or you can be the kind of believer that says, you know what, I want to go and make disciples. And in order to affect nations and transform societies, I can't do it on my own. I need another power. And that's the reason why we need to be fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Are you following me this morning? Look at our church vision, making disciples. Go is a movement of God-honoring believers, progressively discipling nations by communicating and demonstrating the kingdom of God. How many of you believe that? Even if you're not from this church, how many of you, you want that to be your heartbeat? You want to go out there and progressively make disciples. You want to communicate and demonstrate the kingdom of God. How many of you are you feeling me on that one, right? Well, guess what? We need the Holy Spirit to do that. This vision is so, so big, we cannot do it on our own. Amen. I'm wanting you this morning to be so hungry for more of his spirit. I'm wanting you this morning to just desire and to thirst after the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. The Bible says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's amazing uh, whenever someone concludes something, the conclusion of an essay, the conclusion of a movie, the conclusion of an assignment, the conclusion of a thesis is quite critical, isn't it? Can you see that he's emphasizing something? He's saying, finally, guys. And you know that people tend to remind what, rem remember what was said at the end and at the beginning and in the middle. That's why it's good to have three points. I think it's something I need to learn, right? Um, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Lord gave me a powerful revelation this week. He showed me that there are many Christians that are strong in the Lord, but they're not strong in his mighty power. The reason why it's written not just as be strong in the Lord, but it's written both strong in the Lord and in his mighty power is because you can look for one and not get the other. There are many Christians, I'm going to say it again, there are many Christians that are strong in the Lord, but they're not strong in his mighty power. There are many Christians that have, have literally divided God up. And they said, you know what, I just want the character of God, but I don't want the power of God. I just want the personality of Jesus, but I don't want the power of Jesus. You know what's wonderful about the Holy Spirit? 
The Holy Spirit is almost like a contradiction. You know why? You know those people where you look at their personality and it's like they're different extremes. You know those people who are super, super gentle, but then when they pray, they pray very aggressively. You know what I'm talking about? I mentioned this on Friday night, that we must be gentle with one another, but aggressive in the spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit is a bit like that. Because when you look at the Holy Spirit's personality, what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes to comfort us. He's our comforter. Now, someone who's very comforting to be around, what are they like? What are they, what are they like? Gentle. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So he's quite sensitive, right? There's certain things he likes, certain things he doesn't like. Right? The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit being our teacher. The Holy Spirit giving us words to say. So there are many aspects of his personality that are actually quite gentle, quite connecting. The Bible talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The intimacy you can have with the Holy Spirit. That's one dimension of the Holy Spirit. But you know that scripture also talks about the power of the Spirit. And tells us in the book of Acts that when they began to pray, they prayed and prayed and prayed. And says that the place shook. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit can do that? Bible tells us that it's the same power, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and work in you. So this Holy Spirit who's so gentle and who's our comforter is the same Holy Spirit who's so powerful that he raised Jesus from the dead. Isn't that amazing? And I don't know about you, but I want both dimensions of the Holy Spirit. I don't just want his character. I also want his power. Amen? And that's why I have to be fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. So there are those that are happy to just be born of the Spirit and those that want to be used by God and realize the need for the immersion into the Holy Spirit. There are also those that want to be used by God but don't see the need for the Holy Spirit. They're quite happy with their individual talents. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, please don't turn there. By the way, today there's certain scriptures I'll be making reference to that we don't need to turn to. So you won't see them up on the screen, right? Otherwise, we'll be here until um, this evening when I as I unpack them. Okay. If I speak the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, then I'm a clanging gong. That's the principle. I mustn't just embrace the power of the Holy Spirit I must also em embrace the personality of the Holy Spirit, the love that goes with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the power is useless. And today, there's so many people looking for power. How many of you want to be powerful? See, I could see some people were hesitating, right? It's amazing how we've got these strongholds in our minds and we feel bad when we raise our hands. Oh, yes, I want to be powerful. We want to be, how many of you want to be powerful, right? We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, but we also need to walk in the love of the Spirit. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, verse 5, the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by His Spirit. So wherever the Holy Spirit is, there needs to be love. Amen? Wherever the Holy Spirit is, there's also His power. And we want to embrace both. Some embrace power, but no love. Some talk about how it's all about love. I need love. Beam, 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 beam. Hello, cool J. Right? Although that was a different type of love, I guess. I'm dating myself now. Okay. Going back to 89, 90, somewhere there. Isn't this so powerful? Romans 8 verse 11. This is so similar to 
um, to what Ashburn was talking about earlier on. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, just press pause. The spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The Bible talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. If we want to experience glory, we have to have a revelation of Christ in us. Amen? And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. Say to the person next to you, if you're sure that they're born again, say to the person next to you, his spirit lives in you. If they're not born again, just say, um, if you respond to the altar call at the end of the service, his spirit will live in you. <laughs> okay. You know what I love about this? Because we have the same Holy Spirit, we can be on the same page. That's why sometimes you're meditating on something and it's deep in your heart. And then you speak to your friend who's also a pastor preaching that same day and you realize that they preached a similar thing. Amen? Sometimes you get up and you share testimony and you use a particular verse and then someone says to you afterwards, that's the same verse I was meditating on earlier on today. Isn't that wonderful? We've got the same spirit. And the spirit of Jesus has a personality. That's why we need to talk about the personality of the Holy Spirit. He's got certain attributes. He's got certain qualities, which we'll talk about on another occasion. Now, one of the reasons people resist this type of message is because they've been incorrectly taught. Not every teacher out there teaches the word. Amen? Paul the Apostle had to address this. So if you've been taught incorrectly, you'll find that when you hear a message where we go into the Word of God and we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's that resistance. And sometimes that resistance is very subconscious. You're not even aware of it, but there's a mental block. I want to encourage you this morning, regardless of what you've been taught before, just say to yourself, I want to hear the Word of God as it is. Are we in agreement? Matthew chapter 7 verse 9 to 11 says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? <laughs> These are those interesting verses because maybe some parents here would do that. Okay. <laughs> I've given you many loaves of bread in the past. Why do you want more bread? Here's a stone. Okay. <laughs> it's amazing. Jesus just looks, he just sees the best in us. Okay. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Can't imagine someone doing that. Phew, but the things people are now doing nowadays, yo. Okay? If you then, though you are evil, I love the way Jesus was so direct, eh? If you guys then, though you are evil, <laughs> how many of you go around saying that to people, Right? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I know a guy who used to be a gangster, and he was sharing with me why he got out of it. And he says, I got born again. I gave my life to Christ. But at the same time also, Paul, I didn't want my kids growing up like I had grown up. So here's this gangster 
but he still had that heart of a father not wanting his kids to go the same way. Now he is Father God who says, I've promised you the Holy Spirit, but we'll call up some of you afterwards who haven't yet been immersed fully into the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you right now, there's some people who will be like, there must be a catch here. What is going to happen? Some, some of these people are from these dodgy churches where they spray you with doom. What are they going to give to me? What is, what's going to happen? I promise you, we will pray to Jesus, who's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, that you are fully emerged, immersed into the Holy Spirit. And that's what he gives you, the Holy Spirit. That's who he gives you, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Nothing else. And I'm saying this because people are scared. Come on, how many of you, when you started going to a charismatic church and you heard about the Holy Spirit, how many of you were like skeptical? Raise your hand. How many of you are like, what's going on here? What's happening? <laughs> okay. I'm so glad that we're in the new covenant. So let's, let's have a look at some differences between the old covenant and the new covenant when it comes to the Holy Spirit. You understand that the Holy Spirit does all sorts of amazing things and he also operated in the old covenant. But how did he do so? All right. So A, the Spirit came upon various men in the Old Testament times, in Old Testament times, that enabled them to do special feats, special things. Okay, so in Judges 11 verse 29, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he advanced towards the people of Ammon. So this guy had the Spirit of God come upon him in order to do that particular feat. And then the Spirit lifts. Amen. So in the Old Testament, you'll notice the Spirit came upon people from time to time in order for them to do some great works. In the New Covenant, when the Spirit of God comes up upon us, there are multiple dimensions. You are immersed into the Holy Spirit when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? You also have the Spirit released from you. That's why Jesus says, out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living waters and goes on to say, he was speaking of the Spirit of God. So there's the spirit that comes upon you. There's the spirit that you're immersed into. And then there's the spirit that you release. A lot of people don't know how to release the spirit. You know when we pray and there's impartation and so on, sometimes there's the release of the spirit. Amen? B, the spirit of the Lord rested upon men. Numbers 11 verse 25. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him. And took of the spirit that was upon him, talking about Moses, and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Let me share with you something that happened last Saturday. Some of you were at the leadership seminar, right? Do you remember at the end of the seminar, we did an impartation. Those of you who were there, we did an impartation. At a certain point, my wife was prophesying, and she said, I'm just seeing that God is imparting gifts to people. He's just imparting gifts to people. Then she's the one who came to me, and she says, my love, you know what? I feel it will be powerful if you pray for the people. All right? Do you remember that? And then I came back, and there was an impartation. And which scripture did I read? This one, didn't I? Right? About what happened with Moses, and then something of his spirit was passed on to the people who were there. 
A day or so later when we were talking about it, she didn't tell me straight away, but when we were talking about it a day or so later, my wife says to me, you know what? Um, basically, we exchanged notes. And, and that was the same scripture she had received. So there's the same Holy Spirit that will give her that scripture, even though she didn't tell me. She didn't say to me, you know there's that scripture where Moses, where the, I think you should use that scripture and share it. All she did was she just said, I think it'll be great if you can pray people. She sometimes uses efficiency of words, okay? So she says, I think it'll be great if you can pray for the people. I think it'll be powerful. Then the Lord gives me the same verse that he had given her. Amen? Why? The, the Spirit of God was present and revealed something to her. The same Spirit revealed something to me and was the same thing. Isn't that good? See, men were filled. You know, what's so powerful, let me just say this. In Numbers eleven twenty five. it says, And it happened when the Spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Why did they never do so again? Because they didn't permanently have the Holy Spirit all the time. They only had the Holy Spirit when they were doing certain things. So when they were judging, when they needed to prophesy, the Spirit would come upon them. Aren't you glad that you live in the new covenant? See, men were filled with the Spirit in a temporary fashion to perform certain God-ordained tasks. We see this in Exodus chapter 31 verse 3. And I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. It was talking about Oheliab and Bezalel. These are the guys who were anointed in terms of craftsmanship. How many of you are artists here? Awesome. Huh, I didn't know. Samuel, I didn't know. All right? Do you know that there's an anointing for artwork? There's an anointing for building. There's an anointing for working with your hands and being creative. Oheliab and Bezalel had that anointing. But here's the thing. With them, it came for a purpose. The Holy Spirit did not permanently dwell within them. You as a born-again believer, you have the Spirit in you. Isn't that wonderful? I'm just wanting everyone to really catch this this morning. So in Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit seemed to come upon and then withdraw from certain individuals as the need arose. And you see this in a number of places. Okay, One of the signs of the Messiah is that he would be one on whom the Holy Spirit would descend and remain. And we see that in John chapter 1 verse 32 to 33. I'll be touching on this. And John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. And in the same way that he remained upon Jesus, and scripture goes on to say Jesus was then led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then he says, in the power of the Spirit, he then went and began to minister. It's the same for you and me. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The Spirit remains. It says, I, do, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you, but I want to receive the ministry of Jesus. And isn't it sad that many sections, many sectors of the church, of the body of Christ, I've been like, yeah, you know, the Bible says Jesus is he who baptized in the Spirit, but no, not for me.
How is the ministry of the Holy Spirit seen in the life of Jesus? I want to show you that it's seen in the life of Jesus in a number of ways. Christ was born of the Spirit. You don't have to turn there, but Luke 1, verse 35. He was filled with the Spirit. John 3, verse 34. He was baptized with the Spirit. Matthew 3, verse 16 to 17. He was led of the Spirit. Matthew 4, verse 1. He was sealed by the Spirit. The Spirit becomes the promise, right? The Holy Spirit um, comes and we have the seal of the Spirit, which is the evidence that God has saved us. He was empowered by the Spirit in Luke 4, verse 14. He was anointed by the Spirit, Acts 10, verse 38. And you know what's so interesting? When you look through Scripture, the very same thing has happened to us. There are different verses in Scripture that talk about how we, as His body, have had the same experience. So you see in John 3, verse 5, that we've been born of the Spirit. You see in Ephesians 3, verse 19, we're filled with the Spirit. You, <coughs> you see in Acts 1, verse 5, we've been baptized with the Spirit. You see in Romans 8, verse 14, we've been led by the Spirit. We've been sealed by the Spirit, Ephesians 1, verse 13. We are empowered by the Spirit, Acts 1, verse 8, and we're anointed by the Spirit, 1 John 2, verse 27. When you download these notes, I want to encourage you. Just go to the website, download the notes, and pray this over yourself. I'm going to be developing some crafted prayers concerning life in the Spirit. All the aspects of the personality of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit. And we'll be praying them over our lives. Wouldn't that be powerful? Right? All dimensions of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be immersed in the Holy Spirit. I want to yield to the Spirit. I don't want to just yield to the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I don't want to just be led by the Spirit. I want to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to just be anointed by the Holy Spirit. I want to be empowered by the Spirit. Amen? I want all dimensions of the Holy Spirit to function in my life. Nothing left out. Why? Because I want to add God's super to my natural. My intellect is not enough. My human wisdom is not enough. In Isaiah chapter 11, it's very powerful. You don't have to turn there. There's a friend of mine in 1998, I think it was. And he basically said, Paul, I think you should pray this over your life. Isaiah chapter 11, talking about the spirit of the Lord. You know when it says the spirit of the Lord, right? And it goes on to say, it's the spirit, this is the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Ever since 98, I've been praying that prayer regularly over myself. I cannot rely on my natural wisdom. I need God's spirit to come and give me the spirit of knowledge. How many of you know that true knowledge from above is a, is, is a spirit? It's spirit. Amen? You can have the spirit of knowledge. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. These are qualities of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of counsel. How many of you have experienced the spirit of counsel? Where you have supernatural wisdom to answer certain questions. Right? The Bible talks about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I believe that that's the same anointing that was on Stephen. That's why it says that they could not resist the spirit and the wisdom by which he spoke. How many of you want that in your lives? Well, you know what? To experience it, we need the Holy Spirit. He's our source. He's our source. There are times when I coach people in the corporate world and they ask me very difficult questions and I give them answers and I know that that answer was not something I studied. There are times I'll get up and speak to people. I remember I was co-facilitating with someone recently at one of the business schools and they said to me, Paul, I really just admired how you did what you did and I really loved what you said. I think 
having a background in psychology like you have must be really, really great, you know, being a psychologist and stuff like that, because you can, you've got lots to draw from. I didn't say to the individual, the stuff that I've been sharing with you guys, it's not because of what I studied. Are you following me? How many of you know that they, Jesus said, you know what, guys, don't worry about what you have to teach. I'm not saying don't prepare. He says, don't worry about what you have to teach, for the Spirit will teach you what to say when you need to say it. Amen. There are times when God can actually give you Holy Ghost, in, Holy Ghost illustrations. Holy Ghost downloaded illustrations. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where you're teaching and you use examples that you'd never thought of, you'd never imagined before. How many of you want more of the Spirit? Come on now. I'm, I'm wanting to encourage you. I'm wanting to encourage you. So my question to you is, is everything you do empowered by the Spirit? Is everything you do empowered by the Spirit? It's an important question. Is everything you do empowered by the Spirit? You know that the anointing makes things easier. If there's something in your life that comes very easily to you, ask yourself, is it because of the anointing? You see, sometimes we deceive ourselves and we assume that, ah, it's because of my wisdom. Ah, it's because I'm so skilled. If you want to know whether God has anointed you to do a particular work, very often you look at the ease with which you do it. And people come to you and say, thanks for all the hard work and the sacrifice you've made. But you know, it was easy. It wasn't easy because of your own strength. It was easy because God supernaturally invested in you to make it easy. Amen. What is the anointing? It is where the Holy Spirit comes. In fact, the, the, the word for anointing literally means to smear or to rub. That's what it means. To smear or to rub. That's the word to anoint. Right? So what is the anointing? It is when the Holy Spirit comes and smears himself all over you for a particular task. You don't need to be anointed to sleep. You don't need the anointing for sleeping. Amen? You don't need, the, you don't need a special anointing to watch your favorite team play soccer. Amen? So if that's all we do, then we won't experience the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But when we do the works of Jesus, we'll experience his anointing. Amen? Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit a scriptural term? Or is it something that charismaniacs just like to use? You hear the term a lot. I've been using it today. And I explained to you that it's actually a transliteration. We should be just saying the immersion into the Holy Spirit. Amen? In ancient Greek time, if you had a donut and you say to someone, can I dip my donut into your coffee? Right? In your coffee. You know some people do that, right? It's like they, or they take a rusk, but they haven't made themselves something to drink. They're like, can I please do this? In fact, it was, I think it was in one of the Leon Schuster movies, wasn't it? Way back. It was in Funny People. It was in Funny People 2 or one of those movies. Can I dip my donut into your coffee? You know? Anyway, if you're speaking the same language that these guys spoke in, in, back in the day, you would basically be saying, can I baptize my donut into it was, it's the same word. It was not a religious word. Is everyone following? It was not, it's been made into a religious word, but it was not. It's basically, can I immerse, can I dunk this donut into your coffee? Don't try doing that to your loved ones, okay? Because if it drops in there, they will not be happy. Okay. 
So is it a scriptural term? Yes, it is. It was used by John the Baptist in John 1 verse 33. It was used by Jesus in Acts 1 verse 5. And was used by Peter in Acts 11 verse 16. So I don't know about you, but for me, that's good company. Peter, Jesus, John the Baptist. So why is it that people are so resistant to something that's clearly in the Bible? In Acts 1 verse 5, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Isn't that wonderful? Okay. These are people who are born again. Hey, but guys, you still need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, some denominations teach that, no, it's all in one. But we see in Scripture that the baptism into the Holy Spirit is a second experience, and it's a separate experience from being born again. What is the relationship of Christ to the baptism of the Holy Spirit? A, Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit after his water baptism in Jordan. We see this in Matthew 3, verse 16 to 17. We see it also in John 1. Okay, so Matthew chapter 3, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting. That's just a fancy word for landing right upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is such a powerful passage. Jesus was affirmed by his father before he had done any miracles. This is so powerful. His identity wasn't in his performance. His identity was in the validation he received from Father God. You see, many times people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, begin to do signs and wonders. God moves powerfully in their lives, but their mindset and mentality is, now this is what gives me my sense of worth. Jesus has had his worth before any miracles had taken place. Father God said, this is my beloved son. What does beloved mean? It's the same word for David, right? In the Hebrew, it's the same word, beloved of God. This is my beloved son, right? With whom I'm well pleased. So I love him, but I also am pleased with him. How many of you know that Jesus loves you? God loves you? But he's also pleased with you. He's delighted in you. And then he gives you the Holy Spirit and he says, go and do exploits. And so that's what we see happening in the life of Jesus B, part of Jesus' ministry is to baptize with the Holy Spirit. We've already spoken about that in John 1, verse 33. To make sure that this was not misunderstood, Jesus didn't personally baptize anyone with water. The apostles did that. John the Baptist did that. But Jesus had this distinct ministry that, you know what, I'm not going to baptize people in water. I'm going to do the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Is everyone following that? We need to be baptized in water, yes, But we also need to be baptized into the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had this distinct function. He didn't want it to be confused. Oh, John the Baptist is also baptizing people with water. I'll also do a bit of this, a bit of that. He didn't do that. Okay? In John 1 verse 32 to 33, And John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. Okay? Um, It goes on to say, Um, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And that's what's going to happen. How many of you right now have not yet been baptized into the Holy Spirit and you want to be baptized in the Spirit? Is there anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? Okay, I'm seeing one hand. There are going to be more hands that go up as I explain it further. All right? I think this is wonderful. 
See, Jesus prophesied that this would be a believer's experience given on the basis of his exaltation and glorification. Look at John chapter 7, verse 32 to 33. John chapter 7, verse 38 to 39. Verse 38 to 39. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What do we mean when we say Jesus was not yet glorified? He hadn't yet risen from the dead and then ascended. So the Holy Spirit was on him when he was ministering, on his body, in him, right? He needed to go up back to the Father, back to heaven, before the Holy Spirit could spread widely and permanently be distributed into the people. Amen? Now, what is so powerful about this is Jesus himself explained it. And you could see that Jesus was excited about it. Hey, guys, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Hey, you're going to receive the Comforter. He was looking forward to it. You could see there was this excitement that he had. That you know what? Once this happens, you guys will be so powerful. I want to explain to you a powerful revelation. Why are we saying all of this? Why are we teaching all of this? God wants to take over. I asked the Holy Spirit about this. God wants to take over. But you see, he has disallowed himself from just coming down onto the earth and taking over. He wants to do it his way. And what is his way? He's like, you know what? I want to work through my people. And there are two major ways he works through us. Number one is through our prayers. So he says, but these guys, they don't know how to pray. The scripture that Ashburn gave us. They don't know how they ought to pray. So let me pour out my spirit. Let me baptize them into my Holy Spirit. Fully immerse them into my Holy Spirit. So that my spirit will pray through them. Because my spirit knows what I'm thinking. My spirit knows my mind. And so then we have a guarantee that they'll pray accurate prayers and the things that they've prayed will take place on the earth. Isn't that powerful? And then he also says, beyond their prayers, I want them to release my spirit. I want them to be glory dispensers on the earth. And because they cannot do it on their own, I'm going to give them my Holy Spirit and I'm going to teach them how to release rivers of living waters to touch lives. So I've chosen that I'm going to work through them. That's so powerful. That is so powerful. It's in God's interest to have you fully baptized into the Holy Spirit. It's in his interest. And what's so powerful is when that happens, we end up having both the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. The character of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit functioning in our lives. Isn't that awesome? Jesus received this provision for the church from the Father when he ascended into heaven. In Acts chapter 2 verse 33 it says, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So there's evidence, right? 
He poured out this which you now see and hear. This shows me the different expressions of the Spirit. There's the Spirit within. There's the Spirit as a river. There's the release of the Spirit. So what does the Bible tell us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? A, it is the promise of the Father. In Acts 1 verse 4 to 5, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. B, it literally means to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And we've spoken a lot about that. C, it is the enduing with power to do the commands of Christ. So when you are baptized into the Holy Spirit, you have the power to obey. You have the power to speak out. You have the power to heal. Do you remember people like Peter used to be afraid of speaking? He denied Christ. Remember the rooster, the cock, cro- the, what do you call Crowed. Right? But what happened after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit? He spoke with boldness. He spoke with authority. Some people who are shy, who can't get up and speak in front of people, when you are fully immersed into the Holy Spirit, that changes. Amen? There's a boldness that comes upon you. See, it is the enduing with power to do the commands of Christ. We see this in Acts 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What do you receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? What do you receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? What do you receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? So if you're not walking in power, what does that mean? (laughs) What's the logical deduction? We... (laughs) The source of your power is the Holy Spirit. Amen? So whenever you feel like, but I'm not powerful, I'm not walking in God's power, you need to be continually filled with the Spirit. So you can be fully immersed into the Holy Spirit, which is an experience separate from being born again. Then the Bible tells us in another scripture, in the book of Ephesians, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. That word is present continuous tense. It literally means be being filled with the Holy Spirit, continually being filled with the Spirit. Amen? So I get baptized into the Holy Spirit. I start experiencing the power of God, but I need to live a life in the Spirit. And that's why some of you are in a place in your walk with the Lord where there were the days when you walked in power, but somehow it feels like the glory has departed. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Somehow it feels like, wait a minute, I'm not quite where I was. That's why we need to be continually filled with the Spirit. It's two different things. There's being immersed in the Holy Spirit, that's the baptism in the Spirit. Then there's being filled with the Spirit, where you're continuously yielding to the Holy Spirit, saying, Lord, fill me, keep filling me, keep topping me up. Amen? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. D, it's a definite experience which we can know that we have received or have not received. So it's not something like, so I'm not too sure if I've been baptized in the Spirit. You either know or you don't know. And if you don't really know, then you can make sure. Amen? I know exactly when I got baptized in the Spirit. 
It was in 1993. It was my last year of high school. And I was worshiping in my room. I had a nice study. Went to one of those fancy schools where nice big studies. And I was lying down there on my bed and I was playing some worship music. And my tongue just started going. That was a unique situation because most of the time when you're baptizing the Spirit, if you look at the biblical pattern, you go up to someone who understands the baptism in the Spirit and they pray for you and they lay hands on you or they just announce it and you say, Jesus baptized me in the Spirit. It's not a long, complicated situation and you are fully immersed in the Spirit and usually there's the evidence of speaking in tongues. Sometimes you can be baptized in the Spirit and if you start struggling a little bit and so on, you continue praying more boldly when you are at home. We'll talk about that just now. Amen? Some people are self-conscious. So God wants to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. But it's like, well, people will laugh at me. People will laugh. And you short-circuit what he's trying to do because of your self-consciousness. Amen? I'm priming you. I'm priming you. I'm priming you. Because some of you, that's the problem. Okay. So it's a definite experience where you can know that you've had that experience. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 2, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Question, were these believers? He described them as disciples. He described them as people who believed. But one of his standard questions was, So when you got born again, when you became a believer, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Can you see it's two distinct experiences? Again, it's important for me to emphasize this because some people just say, no, it's all in one because you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you're dunked in water. That is water baptism. Separate experience, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And that's the same question I asked. I said, how many of you have not yet received the Holy Spirit. How many of you have not yet been baptized into the Holy Spirit? You are born again. You are going to heaven. But you haven't had that second experience. Are you hearing me this morning? And this is not about what church you go to. You know that you've got guys in Anglican churches, Baptist churches. That's why you've got charismatic Baptists. Are you hearing me? You've got, you, there's been a charismatic move in the Catholic church. We've got some Catholics who've been baptized in the Spirit, okay? The Anglican Church experienced renewal. I'm from an Anglican background. I grew up Anglican. The Anglican Church experienced renewal, and people were led by the Spirit. My mom was around recently. Some of you saw her last Sunday. She was sharing a whole testimony, talking about when she was baptized in the Spirit. And it was a time when it was one of the priests in the church who actually had, was, was helping them in that process. It was a Bible study at our, at our house or someone's house. And my mom then gets baptized in the Spirit, and she's like, she hears me, my brother and I praying in tongues, and she's like, you guys, why didn't you tell me this? Why didn't you tell me this? Amen? It's not, it's not like, what is your church tradition? No, what does the Bible say? Sorry, I didn't mean to. What does the Bible say? Because we're Christians, and we're gentle and kind. What does the Bible say? Okay? So... Let's, let's go a little bit deeper. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? E, it's an operation of the Spirit that's distinct from and subsequent to the conversion experience. So it doesn't happen before you become a believer. That's why one of the main prerequisites of the baptism in the Spirit is being born again. You need to be born again. 
Okay? Acts chapter 8, verse 12 and verse 14 to 16. But when they believed, when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had, Samaria had received the word of God. In other words, they'd been baptized in water. They had become believers. It says, they then sent Peter and John to them. This is after that event, right? Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. but it's an all-in-one thing. It's a one-stop shop. They got born again, so they also got the Holy Spirit. No, they were born in the Spirit. They were born in the Spirit. They were born of the Spirit. They were born again. But Peter and John came and prayed for them. Just like I'm going to pray for you at the end of this service, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Is that clear? This is so powerful. It's, it's so foundational, but so powerful. Isn't it wonderful revisiting our foundations? So important. Okay? For as yet, he had not fallen upon, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they were born again, they'd been baptized in water, but the Holy Spirit was not in the equation yet. They had not yet been fully immersed into the Holy Spirit. If it is something to be experienced as part of the Christian foundation, and we see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 39. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren... What shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Did he end there? No, he didn't. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How many of you have been called by God? everyone. So what's the initial evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What's the evidence? How do you know you've been baptized in the Spirit? This is, this is what we want to hear, right? So the only way we can come to something conclusive, it's the law of first mention. If you want to understand something in scripture, look at the times it was first mentioned Ask yourself, is this something, this is how we build biblical doctrine, is this something Jesus taught? Is it something that we see in the book of Acts? And is it something that is explained in the epistles? Is that good enough for you? Is that okay? Something Jesus taught? Something we see in the book of Acts, demonstrated by the early church, and something that we see explained in the epistles. Let's have a look at a few verses of scripture, and I'm going to focus on do we see it demonstrated in the book of Acts? Because I've explained it in terms of the teachings of Jesus. A, on the day of Pentecost, the waiting disciples were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 2 verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they spoke with other tongues, right? B, in Samaria... When Peter and John laid hands on those who were converted under Philip's ministry, 
we're told that Simon, he was a sorcerer, it says he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. You see that in Acts 8 verse 18. So there must have been something that Simon the sorcerer saw. And you remember afterwards, he then says to Peter, can I offer you this money, please, so I can also have this power? He would never have said that if nothing had happened. If they were just prayed for and nothing happened and he didn't see a demonstration of the power of God, he wouldn't have done that. Amen? So he saw something. And when Peter informed Simon that he did not have part nor lot in this matter, right? Um, and then this guy basically said, Peter, please, may nothing, nothing that you've said would happen to me. May not, none of these things happen, please. Okay? Because you can't buy the Holy Spirit. He's been promised to us by God. See, the Gentiles experienced an outpouring of the Spirit after Peter's sermon at the house of Cornelius. Do you remember that? In Acts chapter 10, right? And everyone present knew it. Why? It says, for they heard them speak with and magnifying God. Let me give you the scripture. Acts 10 verse 44 to 46 says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So what, is, what can we see from scripture? Let me give you another one. D. The disciples that Paul encountered in Ephesus spoke with tongues and prophesied. We see this in Acts 19 verse 6 when Paul laid his hands on them. It says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I like how Ernest Gentile, great author, um, great worshiper also, prophetic guy, puts it this way. He says, the the Bible does not say that you must speak in tongues to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it does teach us by illustration that if you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you'll be given the immediate evidence of speaking in tongues. And you can see this from all these scriptures that I've just read to you. Okay. So who may, who may receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Who may receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? All believers in Christ are candidates for the baptism in the Spirit. We see this in Mark 16, verse 17. It says, let me, let me show you in Acts 2, verse 38 to 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Okay? How do you receive the baptism in the Spirit? First thing, fulfill the prerequisites of repentance and faith before asking for this experience. In other words, make sure you're born again. Amen. How many of you in this room are born again? Okay? Born again, born again, born again. Okay? Lots of people here. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus says, don't rejoice because you're casting out demons. Rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's something to rejoice about. Amen. Okay? Very powerful. B, ask Jesus the baptizer with the Holy Spirit, to give you this gift. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 to 12, it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his, his threshing floor. Hey, John was a radical guy, hey? But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What's the fire part? <laughs> I, like, I like the way John adds these other things. You, you see it in the book of Isaiah. The Bible talks about the spirit of burning. I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit because he's holy. So we can't just be these people who are saying, I don't care how I live. I just want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But then we just live a dodgy lifestyle. He's the Holy Spirit. That word holy is the Greek word hagios. It means to be set apart. So I want to encourage you as we pray for you to go to another level in the spirit, because there are dimensions I'm going to be praying for, the baptism into the Holy Spirit, but also a continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's remember that the Holy Spirit is holy. That's actually one of the reasons why he's sensitive. That's one of the reasons why scripture says do not grieve the Holy Spirit. One of the things that grieves the Holy Spirit is anger. Just go and look in scripture where it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. Okay? See. Yield your unruly member as an instrument of righteousness, not doubting that God will give you something other than what you desire. D. Exercise your faith by speaking in an unknown language to the Lord. This is exciting, ladies and gentlemen. You are the one doing the speaking. The Holy Spirit is speaking through you, but you have to open your mouth and you start moving your tongue and he gives you utterance. Amen? Some people have got this thing where they'll just be there and they're just passive and they're expecting the Holy Spirit to just take over. No, you get started. And very often when you're first baptized into the Holy Spirit, you'll find that your, your language is like a baby. I remember when I was first baptized in the Spirit, my tongue was just parikapaya, parikapaya, parikapaya. Parikapaya. Why are you laughing at my tongue? My tongue was just that. But at a certain point, you begin to develop a spiritual language. Because if your tongue remains that, and I'm speaking to some of you, you got baptized in the spirit years ago, aeons ago. And you're laughing at me, but your tongue is still also oribodo, oribodo, oribodo. In prayer meetings, that's all you say. There's just one phrase. There's no shame in that, but I want to provoke you to, to speak a new tongue. Why? Because you see, if I'm just saying parikapai, I could just be saying, Lord, you're wonderful, Lord, you're wonderful, Lord, you're wonderful. But I want to develop my tongue so that I am making a difference in the spirit realm. Are you hearing me this morning? We're going to go deeper into this just now. You see, Paul, Paul says, I may speak a tongue of me, tongues of men and tongues of angels. They're tongues of men and they're tongues of angels. And when I speak to you sometime in the future about prayer that gets results, because we've got tongues of men, it's an unknown language that you can speak supernaturally, and someone else then understands it, who's Chinese or from another place. And God can often use that to really minister to people because they see the power of God. Amen? That's, an, that's when you're speaking an unknown language. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. We, just, we, we will cover this. So what are some biblical reasons for speaking with other tongues? If we're going to speak in tongues, we need to know why. A, it's one of the signs of the believer. 
That's why Jesus says in Mark 16, 17 to 18, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. How many of you are fine with casting out demons? You, 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 you believe that a Christian should be able to cast out demons. Jesus said it. How many of you are fine with the next one where Jesus basically says they will speak with new tongues? Can you see it's almost saying it in the same breath? Yeah, these guys are the guys who will cast out demons, speak with new tongues. And your tongue keeps developing. Don't stick to the tongue that you just had when you got born again. Keep growing in the spiritual language. And the only way you do that is by praying more. Amen? By praying more. B, it's a way for our spirit to be built up in faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4a, it says, He who speaks a tongue edifies himself. This is very important. It's almost like when you recharge a battery. How many of you, you need your batteries recharged? The battery of my life, the battery of your life is your spirit. And if your spirit is dead or dying or slowing down, everything else is affected. Please catch this revelation this morning. There are certain sicknesses that come to us because of wounding in our inner person. But you, that's why the Bible says, I pray that you may prosper as your soul prospers. So prosperity is internal first, then it's external. And so if I want to see results manifest in my life on the outside, I need to make sure that my spirit man is con continuously being charged. I need to be edifying myself. And so I need to pray from the spirit. And what happens in my spirit affects the soulish realm of my life. And what, what happens in the soulish realm affects the rest of my life. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. So I need to be a person of the word and the spirit. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. I need to be continuously hearing the word of God. At the same time, it says that my faith is edified as I pray in the spirit. So I need to be continuously praying in the spirit. And the nice thing about praying in other tongues is you can do it while your mind can be involved in other things. You can pray in the spirit while you're driving. Amen? And those of us who live in Gauteng, that's quite a few hours praying in the spirit. And you feel charged up when you go into that particular meeting. Don't waste your driving time. Amen? Don't waste your driving time. Pray in the Spirit. When someone cuts in the traffic, pray for them. When you see an accident, pray for them. Amen? But here's the interesting thing. When you're praying in another tongue, you're edifying yourself. So if I'm in a prayer meeting and I'm praying in tongues, it's not for you. Unless the tongue I'm praying, I believe it's part of the gift of prophecy where I need to get up and then I pray the tongue. And then someone comes and they interpret that particular tongue. Amen? But for the most part, when we are in, in church services like this and we are praying, we are praying to edify ourselves. Now, some people will quickly go to the verse of scripture in the book of Corinthians where Paul is trying to bring order to the church and will say, but you know what? When you're praying in your tongue, it's for edification. It's not for other people. So you must just chill and keep quiet. Paul was addressing a specific situation at a specific time. He was talking about a church that was disorderly. Are you hearing me? 
So that's not church doctrine. It's a specific thing to bring order. These guys didn't have microphones in those days. And what was happening in that church life is people were prophesying at the same time. Now, how do I interpret the prophecy? How do I interpret your tongue if this one is now getting up and prophesying and so on? And you see some churches like that. You know, some of your old school Pentecostal churches, oh, the Holy Ghost is over my sister over there. And there's chaos. There's no order. When we're in prayer meetings and we're all praying and we say, okay, let's now pray in the spirit. Sometimes the reason we'll do it over the microphone is to encourage people so that they know that, hey, this is what we're doing right now. But its primary purpose isn't for you. Its primary purpose is we're edifying ourselves in the spirit. Is everyone following? There are other times when I will, I will over the microphone, if I'm ministering to someone, I might start praying in tongues right, over the microphone, but it's specifically ministering to the person, because the tongue that I'm praying, sometimes it's warfare tongues, warring tongues, and when we teach more on prayer, I'll explain to you, because there are times when you're praying in the spirit, and it's for warfare, is everyone following? There are times when you're taking charge in the spirit, there are times when you're communicating things in the spirit realm, When we're in a prayer meeting, when you pray in tongues, don't pray so loudly in tongues that the people around you start feeling uncomfortable because the main purpose of you praying in tongues, you're edifying yourself and you're speaking mysteries to God that I don't need to hear about. Is everyone following? And so as we continue in our church life, if someone is now starting to pray so loudly that they're disturbing everyone else, we'll just go up to them and say, hey, my brother, I think you're getting in the flesh now. <laughs> don't be offended when we say that. Because you can control yourself. Amen? At the same time, don't be so uncomfortable thinking God is so uh, nervous. Let me just whisper to myself in tongues. Because there's power in what you say and what you declare. Amen? I hope that helped a bit. See, it is a way to magnify the Lord. Acts 10 verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Okay? D, it is a part of our spiritual armor. Ephesians 6 verse 17 to 18 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. E, it is spoken of as a refreshing. In Isaiah 28 verse 11 to 12, the Bible says, For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to, his, to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. So when you are speaking in other tongues, you experience a refreshing that comes from the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to just, um, I'm going to ask my wife to come and just play for us. And Paul is gone. I'm going to ask her to just come and play for us in the background, please. And I believe that God is going to do something so powerful for us. Please be praying for her. She's in a very in intense time for, of her training right now. Um, as you, many of you know, September the 7th, she's got world champs in Nice, south of France, for triathlon. And so it's quite an intense period. Just pray for strength for her. Pray that God empowers her by his Holy Spirit. You know all those guys in scripture who ran around, who ran from place to place, empowered by the Holy Spirit, going faster than a chariot. May you pray that she has that. Amen.
Lord, I thank you that we can be continually filled by your Holy Spirit. We yield to your Holy Spirit right now. And we thank you, God, that you're giving us new tongues. You're giving us new tongues to pray with. We thank you, God, for this wonderful gift. We thank you, Lord God, for the gift of being baptized in your spirit. And we want to maximize on it. We pray, Father God, that we will go to new levels of healings, of miracles, of the prophetic, Father. Even as we keep praying in the spirit. New levels of intercession as we keep praying in the spirit. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, we just unlock new levels and new dimensions of praying in the Spirit. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. We want more, Lord. 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 I come against every block in the Spirit in Jesus' name. I come against every resistance in the Spirit in the name of Jesus. I come against any discouragement in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, God, that you're unlocking dimensions even right now. I thank you, God, that we can pray in tongues of men. We can pray in English. We can pray in Zulu. But we can also pray with tongues of angels. I thank you, Father God, that things are happening in the Spirit as we pray in the Spirit. I thank you for new levels of warfare in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for new dimensions of spiritual activity in our lives. I thank you, God, that we can pray in the Spirit with all types of prayers in Jesus mighty name koraba shilandara kaba seketele rikamba landara karaba sikerendia raka joloboko joloboko rebebebebebe ngurabala thank you father for your goodness today lord jesus i believe you are the baptizer in the spirit i surrender to you now I thank you that I'm born again. And I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. So right now I ask you to baptize me into your Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do all around this auditorium, we're going to start praying in tongues. And I'm going to ask you guys who are here in the front to just receive like you're drinking water. Drink like you're drinking water and begin to move your tongue and focus on praising God. Focus on praising God. Don't speak in English, Zulu, Pedi, whatever your language is, right? Begin to focus your mind on praising God, praising Jesus, right? And just let your tongue go and see what God does. I thank you, God, for what you're doing right now. I lay hands on them right now. Everyone in the auditorium, begin to pray in tongues. Begin to pray in tongues. Don't copy my tongues. Just pray in other tongues. I thank you, Lord. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for baptizing my brother in the Holy Spirit. That is it. I thank you for what you're doing, Jesus. 
Just begin to speak. Just begin to speak. There, 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 there. Be filled. Be baptized in the Spirit. Be baptized in the Spirit. Be baptized in the Spirit. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za and I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.